Art of the Kickstart, episode 63. Welcome to the Art of the Kickstart.com, where entrepreneurs are constantly pushing the envelope to build businesses of greatness. Inventors are innovating, creating the products of the future, and backers stand strong for what they believe. These are some of the great thinkers, inventors, and leaders of our time. Here are their stories. Guys, one of the questions that I've been getting a ton from listeners is how do I know if my Kickstarter campaign is absolutely ready to launch? It's ready to dominate. So you know what? I created a 23-step success guide based off the 80 inventor interviews consulting that I've done. This will take you step-by-step through launching your Kickstarter campaign, making sure you have everything that you need to make it happen. Artofthekickstart.com slash checklist to get our 23-step guide to making sure you're ready to kill it on Kickstarter. Check it out, guys. Hey, guys. Today, I'm super excited. We're diving into an awesome project with Camille Van Gestel, the founder of Waka Waka Power, the company that is both environmental, eco-friendly, and somehow a social justice cause. This is an absolutely amazing product. I am so glad to get you on here. Thank you so much for coming today, Camille. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. It's a pleasure. And I have to say straight from the cuff that I'm not the only founder. I do this together with my partner, Moritz Groen, which translates to uh, green appropriately in Dutch. I would hope so. You ran two campaigns at once. We'll get into that in a sec. But first, I want to talk about life quotes, success quotes. Is there something you live from that others can learn from or enjoy? Well, there's one specific specific quote that touches me every time I come across it or I use it. And it's from Marianne Williamson, which was brought to the world by no other than Nelson Mandela. And it's about our greatest fear. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. The first sentence of the of the poem basically is our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Oh, I love this. Absolutely. I know this. It's like the most motivational speech ever. And our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. We are meant to shine as children do. And then it goes, on. I haven't memorized the whole thing, but the point is that we are afraid of our own power. And I think this is what keeps people, well, playing small and, and not, you know, following what they really feel is their passion. And I think that's that's a key to being happy, I think, altogether. Absolutely. We are so powerful and we don't realize it. And power, that's a perfect transition, honestly. It's like you set that one up. So walk away with power. <laughs> where's, where's the story? Tell me about how you guys got started before you raised about three quarters of a million dollars through crowdfunding. Yeah, that was the second campaign, correct? This, this initiated in South Africa. I was pitching together with Moritz, my, my co-founder. I was pitching a project in South Africa for the World Cup soccer, actually, in 2010 to green it, to uh, to mitigate the entire carbon footprint, which was about 3 million tons, which is the largest footprint of any sports tournament ever in history. We were trying to mitigate that with LED lights and we were exchanging light bulbs. At least that was the idea and the program. We won the competition in South Africa, by the way, but townships did not qualify because they were off-grid. So right there and then we were passing all these townships, going from one building to another, and it just didn't feel right. Uh, we come to South Africa with all our good intentions, and we just forget the base of the pyramids, which was promised a better future as a result of the World Cup. So we wanted to do something about that. And then half a year later, I bump into an old friend of mine, who is one of the founders of a tech company from the Netherlands, which makes a tiny, teeny, tiny little chip, an IC, which does the power management of small solar applications. And it makes them like super efficient. And he gave me the inspiration basically to come up with a, a light which would fit on a bottle, which would be super efficient, which could travel into the vein 
veins of Africa, together with Coca-Cola and Heineken and, and other beverage companies on top of bottles. I just felt everything was coming together then. So I called Moritz, who is prevented with Al Gore. And I, I simply, I asked him, I said, Moritz, this is the idea. Would you would you care to, to ask Al Gore if he wants to be an ambassador for this not existing product yet, for this idea? And basically he said yes right away, which meant that we were going to start a business to change one more than 1 billion people's lives, which is the number of people who live off the grid entirely. And that's our ambition, to light up or to enlighten basically 1.2 billion people before the end of 2030. So you go into this with a pretty ambitious mission in the first place. You're going into the World Cup trying to eliminate the pollution from that. I imagine that's a very big business opportunity right there in and of itself. You see this social issue that you want to tackle. This is something that entrepreneurs struggle with all the time. I want to do great things in the world, but I also want to be able to build a business doing it. How do you decide between the two options that you have? Take us through that process. Well, in, in this case, it was it was relatively simple because uh, we, at that time, we were not an LED company. We had no intention of building our own LED light. We actually approached Philips in the Netherlands to uh, to help us with that pitch in South Africa, but they cordially uh, declined. So we found another company who is currently doing this. They set up shop in South Africa and basically our role was done when we won the pitch. So we introduced them. At that time, we didn't think it was our business to start a lighting company. But I changed my mind basically uh, less than half a year later when we bumped into this technology technology and figured we have to do this ourselves. Also seeing how other people run their business, we just had a different idea about this. And we felt that if we want to do this right, then we need to do this from A to Z and make sure that we stay in control in order to, to ensure that we reach this ambition, this goal, which is pretty hairy and pretty ambitious. I, I realize that. But there is no other ambition when you want to start a company like this. If you want to help people bring light in their world as to help them stretch their day, then what other goal can there be than to help everybody? and really set the date to that. And that's what we did. And we take it very serious. Would you recommend that to other entrepreneurs that are looking to change the world in such positive ways? Go to crowdfunding versus your traditional VC route where you have to give up equity and control of the company? Well, I think if you're considering VCs, then then it's always smart to do crowdfunding first for a number of reasons. Uh, I'll, there's two questions in your in your question, but I'll answer this one first. If you are passionate about what you do and if you believe in what you do, then surely you don't mind asking friends and family to invest in your idea. And this is the first thing that VCs will will ask or see. Who else has participated? Have you asked your mom and dad and your sister and your brother and your friends and your high school uh, pals to help you out? Uh, and if you have that means that you're willing to put your soul in this. And I think that is a key, basically, for, for everybody who wants to start something. If, if you cannot put your soul in it, if you're doing it just for the money, if you start a startup with an exit strategy in mind right away, which is what a lot of uh, people actually advise, but if you do that, then where's the heart, where's the soul, and how can you really discover your passion in what you're doing? And I think that's where, where the key is. If you're running a business from passion, I think you're going to see unparalleled levels of energy. And you guys have showed that unparalleled levels of energy. So you decide to go to crowdfunding in 2011. What made you go there? You got onto the platform pretty early. Take us through that decision and kind of how you went about it. 
Well, it has to do with what I mentioned in a previous question, is that there's a number of reasons why we went to Kickstarter in the first place. It's difficult to attract seed funds for a startup company. That's one thing. Another thing is that we did not want to sell out parts of our company in, in a very early stage of our development because we want to stay in control. And we may need to do this later on in order to grow exponentially. If you sell out your shares too early, then you will you will lose control within no time. Um, and apart from that, we wanted to know whether people were actually digging what we were creating. So that was a reason for us to search out crowdfunding. And back in 2011, we did two crowdfunding campaigns also. We did a Kickstarter campaign and we did another campaign in the Netherlands with micro shares. That was rather new in the Netherlands back then. And we were selling 2.5% of the company at that time at $20 per share and raising altogether 75,000 euros or $100,000 basically. And there were 300 people who participated in that campaign and we raised that $100,000 in about uh, two months. At the same time, we were running our Kickstarter campaign with a goal of $30,000, which was extremely difficult to reach. We had a lot of trouble in the beginning to uh, to stay on track. So I actually, at some point, I bought a Santa suit <laughs> because it was crucial. It was Christmas time, saying that if you do this and this pledge, then uh, you can send in your script and I'll record a tailor-made video for you, which you can then send to your friends and family. So it was successful, even though a lot of people uh, used that pledge, but I never got a single script to record a video from anybody. I think everybody felt sorry for me and they just pledged. <laughs> yeah, but you got to get creative. That is absolutely brilliant. Keep that in mind, guys. Get creative with your reward ideas. So how do you do this? How do you run two campaigns simultaneously? There's different hassles of each. Yes. Well, first of all, we are based in the Netherlands. That means that our fan base or our, our friends and family basically are here in the Netherlands. For Kickstarter, you really need an Amazon payment account. And Amazon is not very big in the Netherlands yet. So a lot of friends and family here in Holland do not have an Amazon payments account. So if we wanted to reach out to our group of people, then we had to choose a local platform. Um, but Kickstarter is the largest platform in the world still today. And it, it certainly was back in 2011. And we wanted to tap into into that potential as well. So that made us choose two different platforms. And we realized that for Kickstarter, we needed to work twice, maybe three times as hard to get traction because, to be honest, I don't have as many friends in the States as I do in the Netherlands. So it's, it's, just, it's just more work. It's harder work. And you have to make sure that also press picks up and that you drive traffic to your Kickstarter page, whereas our social network in the Netherlands was driving traffic to our Dutch campaign. So there are two different strategies actually connected to it. And other than that, it's just a lot of work. You just need to be aware of that. that when you start a crowdfunding campaign, it's 24-7. It just goes on and on and on and on. And you, people need to realize that. That's very interesting, bringing up the difference between Europe and the States. I've interviewed quite a few European crowdfunders on here now, and they always do bring up those issues. But none of them have gone that innovative route of launching a secondary campaign, one that's easier to connect with their audience. That's something interesting. Would you recommend that to all European crowdfunders? Or It's tough if you want to do both. What do you think? Yeah, I can definitely recommend it. Kickstarter is now open also for Dutch companies. So we considered using Kickstarter only for this campaign, actually. But if we would register as a Dutch company, we have an, a US entity, by the way, so, so it's possible for us to register there as well. But if we would have registered as a Dutch company, then automatically we would raise funds in euros. Every single Kickstarter... They're in dollars. 
Yeah, they're in dollars. No one wants to convert it. No. And they're going to figure, okay, these products are going to be sent from Europe, so I'm going to pay for these. And why would I pay extra? I'll just wait until they're in store in, in the U.S., and that may just be cheaper than sending it from Europe. There are a lot of assumptions that people have if you run a campaign in euros, I guess. And I think that's something that Kickstarter may want to change. I mean, if you... If you run a campaign from Europe on Kickstarter, you should be able to also raise in U.S. dollars. I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah, it should automatically convert. That is absolutely brilliant on your end. I hope you guys are listening because you can play the game and be a lot smarter because of that. My next question for you. So this first video that you guys created, the first campaign, I'm watching the video and it's clearly something that you did on your own. You didn't bring in some high-end video team, but at the same time, it was really compelling. I got so excited when the music started playing. Guys, you need to watch this by the way there'll be links in the show notes after the darkness and then there was light just how you went about this that's really inspiring how do you recommend kickstarter creators go about making that all-important video i recorded this with the same phone i am holding in my hand right now i love it it was basically a selfie video altogether uh, shot in the dark with a lighter and our waka waka actually yeah how do you go about it i think what's most important is that it's authentic and i think if you do a, a video Video all by yourself I think it's easier to make it authentic than when you bring in a camera crew and somebody who helps direct it which is what we did on the last campaign people fortunately they love what we do so they help us so we get really awesome deals from people who, uh, who want to help us make better uh, videos and of course if you see the difference it's obvious but to do a, a spontaneous sentence ten times over makes it a lot less spontaneous <laughs> I can tell you it's, <laughs> it's that's that's tough so I think uh, being authentic authentic and, and genuine, I think people will see that. And I think that's very important to, to try and keep that. And that doesn't necessarily uh, happen when you bring in a, a professional crew. It may take away some of the authenticity, but I hope that what we just made uh, in the last campaign, the base, I hope that people find it authentic because it, it's, it's who we are. It's what I am. So your first campaign, we were figuring out, you raised somewhere around $130,000 between the two platforms, roughly. The second campaign, you were closer to a quarter of a million dollars, which means A, you've killed it with crowdfunding. B, what did you do differently? What did you learn from the first campaign that you helped put into the second one to make it so much more successful? In one word, preparation. The first campaign, really, we, we built a page, we put it online, and we figured, okay, it's online, now what? <laughs> and, and then the hard work started only after we, uh, we we launched the page. Whereas we saw all these other campaigns, and they hit their, their targets within one, two, three, four days, and we're like, how did they do that? Well, maybe they prepared. And that is a very big difference. I think the, the first day result is incredibly important, especially on Kickstarter, because they have all these different categories for example most popular i'm a kickstarter myself so i, I back projects and i have a tendency also to look at what's popular to, uh, also from a professional uh, perspective but also to see well hey what, what have other people selected they've done a lot of work for me they're mostly the coolest greatest products or ideas so i'll go to what's popular first if you hit your target in the first one or two days that will put you in what's popular and that will drive traffic to your to your page and i think we focused a lot on that in the second campaign 
So we approached our previous Kickstarters, we approached our, our friends and family network again, and we asked them to participate in a new campaign, but not just on any date, no, on the first day. We asked them to participate on the first day, and I think that's what any crowdfunder should realize, that once you make a big splash on the first day, uh, you're going to be noticeable. It is absolutely about getting out there and pushing really hard, and I love how you brought up the fact that everything seems like overnight success until you've actually done it. There's so much preparation that goes into doing it. I want to jump now into the launch round. How's that sound, Camille? Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Welcome to the launch round, where we take our guests through a series of rapid-fire questions geared towards unlocking the inner inventor and entrepreneur in all of us. Get ready to blast off and unlock your inner potential. Let's do this. Guys, I have an awesome update I want to tell you about. I asked you guys, what do you need? What's holding you back from crowdfunding success, from building the business you all want to build? Overwhelmingly, it was challenges with Kickstarter, launching campaigns. You guys wanted a step-by-step course walking you through exactly what it takes to succeed on Kickstarter. So that's what we're building. Welcome to the Art of the Kickstart launch course. If you guys go to artofthekickstart.com slash course, you can check out and pre-order the course that's going to take you through each and every single stage of running a successful Kickstarter campaign. This is based off of 80 inventor interviews, consulting with clients, and working so much more with crowdfunding. If you want a step-by-step guide to take you through exactly what it takes to succeed, this is for you. Pre-order today or just learn more at artofthekickstart.com slash course. So first question for you, Camille, what's the future of solar power specifically in people's homes look like? If you go to kickstarter.com right now, you will see a sneak preview of the future of solar power. We're currently running a campaign for the first power and light first aid kit. It's the first in the world. And basically it's Waka Waka Power, which we've done before, a solar powered phone charger and light, but with more capacity, with a separate solar panel, which enables you with a, a much faster charge. And it's safe to say that this will charge two to three times faster than anything else on the market today. And we've chosen a design which will serve two markets also. A Western market for people who love the outdoors, who love hiking, who love camping, which will also serve people who live off-grid. It's a complete solar home system, basically. So it works for everybody, guys. So Camille, my next question for you, as a social entrepreneur, someone who's actually building a business around doing good, how could you help others? How could you advise others on doing that? Often it's difficult to build something meaningful, worthwhile into the world. You have to have a business sense for it to succeed. What do you do? It's always helpful to have a business sense, but I think what's most helpful is to be truly passionate about what you do, believe in what you do, and then really just go out and start doing it. And if you are genuine, you will attract the the right people who are going to help you with that business sense if you don't have that in particular. So I think passion, I think, is a key word. Passion and getting the right people. Absolutely. Speaking of right people, have there been any people in your life, mentors, entrepreneurs or otherwise, that kind of led you down this journey? They gave you advice that helped you get to where you are? Well, yes, there was the first Dutch astronaut, actually, Wibbel Ockels. He passed away this year. But back in 1984, Five, yes, I was 12 in those days. He made his first flight on the space shuttle and I wrote him a letter as a 12 year old and uh, I asked him uh, whether I could interview him. Well, that was that was life changing for me right there. But more interesting enough, a couple years later, I asked him for advice again and I said, I still want to be an astronaut, which was my childhood dream. And I said, what kind of subjects should, should I pick for my final year in high school? And he said, you know, I cannot give you advice on which subjects to pick. He said, why don't you do what you love doing? doing most and that is the best guarantee to be happy in your life and i at first 
first, I thought it was a very weird advice. Just do what you like doing most or just have fun, basically. But I picked all the subjects that I like most. And this has been sort of a guideline in my life. Uh, as long as it's fun, what I'm doing, I tend to be good at it. And I think if it's not fun, then how can you motivate yourself to do something which is not fun? So I, I think that is, a, that is a, a big takeaway that I got from my childhood hero, Wilbur Ockels. That is such a deep piece of advice that he gave you at such a young age. Most of us miss what that really means, but it is so true. Follow your passion. Live your life on that hell yes or no kind of mentality. I love it. My next question for you, as an inventor, as someone who's building a business around creativity, how do you look forward into creating new products. Obviously, you need to keep putting out new things for Waka Waka. What do you guys do? Well, first of all, I don't see myself as an inventor. I'm not a, a tech guy. I'm not an engineer. But as you said, how do you how do you build a business? You find the right people who can help you with this. And fortunately, we have a great team of engineers and designers around us. But it is so satisfying to come up with an idea for a light. We wanted this to be the iPhone of, of solar power. That was the initial briefing to the uh, the 3D designer back in 2011. And last year at the Consumer Electronics Show, international media for the first time, they actually hailed Waka Waka as the iPhone of solar. And I thought that was so cool. So what is it like? It's really cool to be able to create products which people love and are which are useful and moreover, which are life-changing. And I think that is the, the most satisfying part, I think, of what we do. If we get stories from people who are using Waka Wakas in Africa or in Indonesia or else where and they tell us how that has changed their life there's nothing better in the world i think and we keep on thinking about new ideas on how we can further impact their lives and we listen to those people so if you made the iphone of solar power it sounds like your founder is wozniak that makes you jobs but actually doing good in the world <laughs> correct well i i wouldn't dare to make that uh, oh no that no don't worry uh, I'll, I'll dare to make the little joke for you my question for you is how do you know which problems to solve there's so many problems in the world people want to do great things but if you try to do everything you're going to get overwhelmed how do you focus well we just picked one problem basically which is people who are not electrified we wanted to do something about carbon emissions that's 55 percent of the of the world's carbon emissions from household lighting come from kerosene lamps and we wanted to do something about that and we did not realize what the social economic impact would be of putting a light in somebody's hand if you can stretch somebody's day with three or four hours it's pretty amazing to see what happens. So we believe we've touched upon a very profound challenge or problem, I prefer challenge, to put lights in the hands of people who have none who live in the dark permanently and if you see what happens to those lives it has a um, an impact which is beyond your imagination uh, basically past grades go from 50 percent to 100 percent in two years time if you put a light in a child's hand 50 percent of children in sub-sahara africa who go to school do not have access to electricity how can they do their homework people are spending 20 25 percent of their income to have just a little bit of light a few candles or a kerosene lamp at night imagine you have to spend 25 percent of your income I, I don't need to know what you make uh, Matt but imagine how expensive it would be to just have a candle for an hour or two in the evening and pay 25 percent of your income for that so the impact of solar light on people's lives is it's hard to grasp if you really don't know what the problems are so it's very rewarding to be able to do this and I think it's a tremendous problem that we're working on I think for the next decade or so I'm perfectly fine with solving this problem if I look back on my life when this is done and this 
is what I've accomplished or contributed to accomplishing, then I will be a very happy man. Absolutely. That will be one killer headstone. Last question of the launch round, Camille. Business books, life books. Have there been any that absolutely influenced you or changed your life? Yes. This is a book from Roy Spence. He's an awarded uh, advertising uh, guy from Advertising Guru in the States. His advertising company, GSDNM, is one of the best in the States. And he wrote a book, which is so interesting. And it it doesn't sound like an advertising guy who, who writes something like that. But uh, the title is, it's not what you sell, it's what you stand for. And it's about purpose. And basically what he writes so much resonates with what we do, what I do, and what I stand for. If you act from a sense of purpose and know why you are doing stuff and if you're able to express that you are going to attract people customers uh, partners who are aligned with that purpose very inspirational book i can recommend it to anybody who who has an entrepreneurial spirit it's not what you sell it's what you stand for that is so true i will link up to that in the show notes guys in addition to simon sinek start with why because it seems like such a great such a great compliment to that i want to jump back to you now to the business So you've done this, you've run two campaigns, well, really four campaigns, let's be real with ourselves, and you've succeeded on all four. Yet, of course, you've had some mistakes, challenges along the way. What have you learned? What can you share with other people that you think would benefit them? Things we haven't talked about yet that would help Kickstarters out there everywhere. Yeah, first of all, mistake is an is an interesting definition of something that does not seem to work. I, I recollect a famous quote also from Thomas Edison. He said, I failed 200 times. I made 200 light bulbs and none of them worked, but they all brought me closer to the one light bulb that did work. And I find this very inspirational as well. I mean, in, in this case, if you can learn from your mistakes and if they make them better, how can they be mistakes as opposed to a learning experience? Absolutely. I think you need to view life as that way. I'm glad you corrected me. <laughs> it wasn't because of that. <laughs> Absolutely. And last question for you, Camille. One piece of advice for inventors and entrepreneurs out there, people that want to start something amazing, what would you tell them? Do something meaningful. Make sure that what you do matters to people. Do not start something simply because you want a bigger house, a bigger car, or you want that motorcycle or that watch. Because all that stuff really, really doesn't matter. It matters if you get an email from somebody and says, oh my God, I was able, I'm serious, I was able to to deliver a baby thanks to your light. And there's no car, no house in the world that can be such such impact. If you find something meaningful to do, go out and do it. Because if you can, you must. That is absolutely amazing. I got one follow-up question on that. You said you got an email from someone who didn't have a light. I just want to hear the story. <laughs> okay, rephrase. <laughs> we got the story from the person who didn't have a light. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> okay, much better, much better. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on today, Camille, chatting with me on that phone that filmed your first campaign. I want you now to talk about yourself, pitch your product. Why should people check out Waka Waka? Obviously, you're doing amazing in the world. Just share your story a little bit. That's very cool. Well, the Waka Waka base is the latest uh, in the Waka Waka family. It's the world's first power and light first aid kit, which means it's something that you really want to have when the lights go out. For example, in the States, half a million people on a daily basis are without power. We've had requests for more power, more capacity, faster charge. This has a separate solar panel. It's a battery pack with a separate solar panel, which means you will charge this 5,000 or 10,000 milliamp battery pack within one day, which will charge multiple phones or provide you with an entire week of light. And on top of this, for each unit that has been pledged in the, in the campaign, 
and also for each unit that will be sold online, we are donating a light to health workers in West Africa to help fight Ebola. Guys, check them out. I don't think I need to say any more than that. This is an absolutely great mission. It's moving humanity forward, and it's great for everybody and the environment. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much, Camille. You've been absolutely awesome. Matt, thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it, and good luck with the show. Thanks so much. Hey guys, I'm your host, Matt Ward, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Art of the Kickstart, where we believe inventors, innovators, and entrepreneurs are changing the world and bringing humanity forward into the future. If you liked the ideas in this episode, or you're interested in learning more about crowdfunding and how to kill it with your own Kickstarter campaign, you can check out more at artofthekickstart.com. And if you've been listening to the show, love the episodes, but you're not subscribed, that's got to change. You can go to artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes or slash Stitcher and get the episodes delivered magically to your phone. And if you like the show, I would love you forever if you leave a review on iTunes. It helps more aspiring inventors and creators out there find the show and find the information they need to kill it on Kickstarter. Until next time, thanks for tuning in, guys, and have an absolutely epic day.